0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez.
1: Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket podcast where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I want to welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.com slash reviews. That's where you could leave a rating and review for today's show or any show in particular. If you liked it, let us know. Give us some feedback. We're always looking for ways to make the show more productive to help you improve outcomes and reduce inefficiency. Without further ado, I want to introduce our outstanding guest and a good friend of mine, Vincent Koonin. He's the founder and CEO at Adaman 7. They're focused on using software to improve healthcare by providing innovative technologies that's going to help really bring together the decision-making support for the development of drugs, as well as decision-making support in the hospitals and so i want to introduce you guys to this wonderful man he's been founder of several different startups he's a serial entrepreneur but very passionate in healthcare. and so i want to open up the mic to you vincent to fill in any of the gaps in that introduction that i may have missed welcome to the podcast
0: thank you so it's uh, great to talk to you yes i've been i i'm a software engineer and i've been in the health sector for some um, 20 years I'm based here in Belgium, in Europe, so we we did quite a few uh, large-scale projects here in Belgium around medical records, around the secure exchange of uh, medical information. And uh, yes, following uh, problems with health in the family, I decided to focus more on, on this Enderman 7 project, which has both a social goal for patients, and we still need the revenues to have a sustainable project, and that's going to be uh, revenue from B2B, so pharma companies, from uh, hospitals, and other actors in the health sector.
1: Fantastic, uh, Vincent. And and so, why did you decide to get into healthcare to begin with?
0: Well, when I was 18, and I had to decide between uh, engineer or, or medicine, I finally chose uh, be a software engineer. And by some kind of weird turnaround of life, I've always developed software for the medical sector. So connecting the dots as some, some guy you know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, Vincent, one of the cool things that I love about just talking to leaders like you is that it's those philosophical beliefs that you have. And it's the decision that, hey, you know what, you could choose one or the other, or you could choose both. And you know a lot of times people just say you got to pick one or the other but the true leaders in healthcare say you know what I don't have to compromise I choose both. And you chose both engineering and medicine and kudos to you for doing that.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us Vincent you've been through many ventures you've done a lot for healthcare on the software side for medicine. What do you think every healthcare leader today should be thinking about and how's Ondemand 7 addressing this?
0: Well, I think everybody in the healthcare should just think about the patients, right? Because that's, that's the only reason we're doing all all of what we're doing. So to give a, a, a better health to everybody. And that's, by the way, why as a mission we, we chose uh, for Andaman 7, the Article 25 of the Human Rights Declaration, which is that everybody has the right to good health and well-being for himself and their family. So I think that should be what everybody is doing in healthcare be it on uh, discovering new drugs, being on on on, uh, caring for patients, or being developing tools for doctors and and patients, which is what we're doing. So at Andaman7, we decided to build a tool which is free for every patient, and uh, it allows them to collect all of the health data on their smartphones, right? Because the smartphone is the the platform of of the future, and you can do everything with your smartphone today, except your medical information is not there. So that's the first goal we do. We have is is to collect the data for the patients on the smartphone and that is free and will always be free. So that's the social part of the project. But to be sustainable, we want to have revenue and the revenues will come from hospitals doing home care projects, continuity of care, but also pharma or uh, research institutions that want to develop new drugs and for that need to have to reach to the patients. Especially today with the cost of drugs going up, with the cost of healthcare going up, so everybody needs to reduce the cost. And uh, the good way to do that is to prove real outcomes from the patients. So more and more, a lot more than before, there is a need to get outcomes from the patients. So you hear about terms like real-world evidence, patient-reported outcomes, and that's exactly where we focus. So Andaman wants to be the broker to the patients, and uh, we do this with a very strict respect on of privacy, and security. You know, we're based in, in Europe, so privacy is very important here. And there's uh, the big uh, GDPR coming up in uh, May of uh, next year, giving back more power to the, the patients and to the citizens, actually, to know what is my data being used for, who is it using it, who is using it. So, yes, that's very privacy-minded. So with and 7, there is no medical data stored in the cloud, for example. Everything is on the smartphone and on the smartphones of of the people you trust. That's the core of of the project.
1: I love it. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's definitely a big need, Vincent, for just finding ways to use these devices in healthcare and had some recent conversations with a couple uh, health systems. And the thought here is that innovation in healthcare is really not only just innovation, it's actually implementation. And so how do the businesses of today and tomorrow, like yours, implement these smart technologies in a way that, that is useful and scalable? For, you know, like the things that you're doing are really interesting. Can you give us an example of how maybe early on you guys have created some outcomes improvement with what you're doing?
0: Yeah, well, just, just uh, as a patient uh, uh, or, or helping a patient, like my son was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. So it's. I spent a lot of time in the hospitals and it was always very difficult for me to answer the questions from the doctors or or to correctly write down what they were telling to me, telling me. So the use of Endermen now, it makes that very easy. So every time I receive information, I store it in Endermen, either for me or for my children. And all of that information is shared with the people I trust. So obviously for my children, the data is shared with my wife. So she has a complete copy of the medical record of of our children and uh, every time she goes to the doctor she can input information and i will receive a copy of that so we both have a copy of of the whole information and this this is always also shared with our doctors so our our family doctor and our specialists they they all have a copy of the full uh, information from for example my child's uh, uh, health record so that's that's already a a pretty big benefit having all of your data and being able to share it in a secure way It's it's already a a lot to improve the outcomes. Now there is also cost as a patient. Well, depending on 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 where you live, right in the U.S. you have private uh, insurance. In the Europe, it's more about the social security. But the problems are the same because the costs are going up, and there's a a big need to reduce costs. And uh, a few months ago, I was I was in a doctor's office because I was a bit tired. I wanted to have uh, to see if everything was okay. And she, the doctor told me you need to have a blood shot to be, to test your, your blood. And I said, well, I just had one, uh, one month ago because I'm on, I have a leukemia and I'm on, uh, I'm being controlled every three months. She said, yes, okay, but do you have it here? And I said, yes, it's in my smartphone. And I showed my smartphone. So the doctor uh, went through the, the last blood test, and she said, "Oh, perfect! I can already tell you that it's good, uh, you have no problem with your thyroid, for example, and uh, you don't need to to have another blood shot. So that's cost saving for the health ins- insurance first. And as a patient, I ha- I was just having the results immediately without going to a blood test and then coming back to the doctor, right? Which would have to take a few weeks at least. So there, in 15 minutes, I had the results of 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 her diagnostics, so that's very concrete very easy and very very good both for me and for the social security
1: I think that's really great and uh, you avoided a an unnecessary test you were able to inform the doctor and become very very uh, involved in your care
0: yes exactly patient empowerment is I think one of the great need of today uh, especially because more and more people talk about health consumers right versus patients and uh, of course it's it's a bit Annoying, maybe for doctors to have patients coming and say, "Well, I read on Wikipedia and I read on Google about this, about this." So, of course, there's there's sometimes wrong or not very precise information on on the web. But for me, it also shows that the patients really do care about their health a lot more than before. So they they want to know. So they search for the information. You know about all that organic food uh, focus for many people. You know about that fitness focus. So that really shows that patients. Uh, want to take care of the health themselves so they they're really becoming
1: health consumers
0: versus passive patients.
1: No, that's cool. Uh, you know, and Vincent, one of the things that comes to mind too is, you know, some of the differences, uh, there's a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences between healthcare in the States and then in Europe. I know in the States, it seems like many times there's not, you can't get your medical record, right? They won't release it to you. And so it sounds like in Europe, you're actually able to get your medical records
0: well yes and no you know there's theory and practice
1: <laughs> okay
0: I know that in the in the US there is uh, the HIPAA uh, constraints. there's also the meaningful use especially meaningful use three which which really puts the patient in the center and the care providers uh, do have to give the, the data to the patients according to meaningful use three in Europe We also have a a European legislation that says that the data is the property of the patient. So the patients can get their data, they can correct it, they can ask a doctor to delete it, even if they don't want to be uh, related to that doctor anymore. So that's very in favor of, of the patient. It's quite similar to the US, but this law in Europe has been there since 2002. So that's 15 years, but today, in practice, there's still a lot of resistance from some doctors or hospitals or or other actors to give away the, the information because it takes time maybe, because they don't have, maybe are, there's some fears also. Their transparency is good for the patient, but sometimes it's a bit frightening for other actors, right? So I don't think there's a big difference between the US and, and Europe. They both have very clear legislations, but in practice, it's, Difficult for both both areas, I believe, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. And, you know, I'm, I've spoken to people and I've, you know, I've seen different stories and posts about the difficulty. And it'll be interesting to see how a platform like yours, you know, maybe through the creation of demand, makes some change in the way of, of action, right? Because the, the law is there, but how can we get the actions to follow what the law is, is saying should be done?
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also believe that the, the pressure from patients uh, will help. Hopefully it will help. And what I want to say also is that there's different kinds of doctors, right? Some doctors are a bit afraid of change and a bit afraid of losing some kind of power. So there's some patronalism for, for some doctors. But there's also a large number of doctors which are on the opposite side, which are very open to the patient and really focus on the patient health. And they know that the patient needs their data. They have empathy, and, when, when, and they see them themselves as, if I was a patient, if I were a patient, I would have, need my data, I would want my data, so they understand. And there's also clinical studies today and research that proves that there is much, much better outcomes to treatments when the patients are empowered, when they know about their condition, when they have all the details, when they have their data. So it's now becoming even something that's necessary for doctors to do that if they want to cure their, their patients uh, better than before. And I'm not even talking about personalized medicine because you know that, for example, uh, today for a medication to be considered successfully has to be effective on more than 30% of the patients, right? It's the placebo level. So right. it has to be better than a placebo. But nobody knows that if this medication, which is only good for 25 percent, which is too low. Maybe under 25 percent, it's effective for 95 percent of people with that specific profile, genetic profile or others. So I think we're missing a lot of, of treatments today because we don't go personalized enough. So that's the second big trend. First one I was mentioning earlier is health consumerism. And the second one is personalized medicine. And uh For that to be more personalized, of course, you need to have the genetic profile of the patients, but you also have to a lot more information about the the patient. So contacting the patient and exchanging data with the patient and collaborating with the patient will be more and more important, a lot more than in the past. So, yeah, I think that the patient role is, is getting more and more important, especially for, for, for personalized needs to be
1: effective. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. And your app would definitely help the patient be more proactive and input their data and own their data and be a part of the decision making and, and a part of the information flow. I think that's really cool. So, Vincent, tell us, you know, you, you've you got obviously On 7 is your current project and you're you're all in on that. You've had other projects in the past as well. Can you think back and all the way up to now, an example of maybe a setback you had, a failure, and what you learned from that?
0: Yes, of course. One very clear to me was uh, when I was doing that project about exchanging information, medical information, between hospitals and doctors. And that was 15 years ago, right? So it mm-hmm. was uh, barely the beginning of internet or no, even more than 15 years, I would say. And uh, uh, the obvious thing when you have uh, several uh, hospitals that are okay to send data, and then you have uh, family doctors that use various types of software, the obvious thing to do when you're a software engineer is say, okay, let's agree on a standard, right, for exchanging the information. How do we code the information? And then we discussed for about two years, what standard will you will use? No, this one. No, I want this one. No, this is a, an American standard. No, this is a European standard. No, we don't use this one. It, it's been just terrible discussion until the day we, we decided as a company, okay, let's stop all of this discussion. You use whatever format you want, as long as it's more or less standard. So we chose, we accepted between five and ten quote standards, unquote. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly the project went, went on because the, the hospitals could use the, the standards they wanted and then the family doctors also. And then suddenly everything was, the information was flowing. Of course, there was a cost to that because as a company, we had to do the change of format ourselves. And we did that for the the, the most popular formats, but this is a good example where in theory it's very obvious that you should choose one one single standard, but in practice it's unfortunately better if you just use some kind of chaotic situation and the situation as it is. So that's just one example, but there's, there's others too.
1: No, that's great. Thanks for sharing that, Vincent. And listeners, you always have to keep your mind open. Oftentimes, in fact, I think most of the time, the things that you try first are not going to work. You're going to have to keep an open mind and leave idealism to the side and get practical. And what Vincent and his team did was they got practical. And even though it meant more work, it meant adoption. And in order for your project to succeed, you need it to be adopted. And so Vincent, that's a amazing lesson that you learned. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that. You're welcome. So Vincent, you've obviously had that. And then maybe you could tell us a little bit more about an exciting focus or project that you're working on.
0: Well, yes, well, the project, uh, the, the most exciting one um, is, is the global Enderman 7 project, because when, when I, I was lucky to sell my previous company and got a, a successful exit, I was wondering what would be my, my next project, and then I decided to do this Enderman 7 project, and I wanted it to be big or nothing. So it's really ambitious, right? And the goal is to really build a, a platform to give access to patients, to... uh health actors. So be them hospitals, doctors, on the cure side, but also also nurses, of course, and then on the research side, pharma companies or institutions. So all of those actors need more and more access to patients. And today it's because there's no unique standard, as we were talking a bit earlier, but because also smartphones are becoming ubiquitous. So there's quite a number of deep changes in in the landscape, meaning that now there is a way, I believe, to have every patient strongly empowered with a smartphone, all of their data accessible to them, and then we can then provide services on top of that. So Andaman is not like it it may seem from the outside a simple app. It's actually a combination of an app, of course, for both smartphones, Android and Apple, but also tablets, but it's more importantly, maybe what we call a HIP. And HIP for us is a health intermediation platform. So it's a way to exchange data either between end and users or through API, open APIs, which we publish on our website, to have an exchange of, of data uh, between patients and hospitals, pharma companies, or, or CRO, or clinical research organizations, or any kind of actor in the health sector with the specific focus or this yeah with one very important thing for us is that the patient is in control the patient has access to their data and they're deciding what to do with their data and i think that's going to work pretty well because the regulations both in europe and in in the u.s always put constraints on everybody that is using data from somebody else right so if you're a hospital a doctor a nurse or pharma or research institutes, you have strong con- constraints because you're using the data from patients. But as a patient, you have access to all of your data and you can do whatever you want with that. Right. I don't know if it would be a good idea but if you want, you can put your whole health record on Facebook. Nobody can prevent you from doing that, right? Maybe not the best idea, I agree. (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) So what that means is that the regulation is impeding most of the, the actors, but not the patient. It's even the opposite. The regulation is helping the patient, helping the patient get access to their data and being in control of their data. But that's what we decided to do, is to go through the patient. It's more difficult, of course, to convince millions of patients than to go to a few hundred hospitals, it's more difficult, but it's, I think it's the right way to do. And it's the way that most people will be comfortable with because they decide to share the data and not all of the data, they can decide what they share and they want to know why they share it with. And there's been studies, right, with patients that were asked, uh, do you want to share your data if it's for specific research for a kind of medication that could be useful. Yes, of course, I want to I think eighty five percent of patients do that. For me, also, that's very clear. I'm very I insist a lot on, on on my privacy, and i'm not I do not agree that anybody would use any of my medical data. but if if somebody is even a pharma company is is asking me, uh, would you share your data for uh, a new pill that we're working on and that will uh, cure uh, leukemia, which is the leukemia I have?" Of course, i would be uh, uh, I would agree to share, right. Same for my, my son. My son has a osteosarcoma, so it's a bone cancer. But if some company uh, tells me, uh, we would like to have your son's data to feed the research on on, on a new medication for that kind of uh, condition, of course I will share the data, right? So right, right. if you know why you share, I think patients are ready to share and and, and do good, actually.
1: Yeah, I think that's really great, you know. And and what comes to mind is the, you know, like the twenty three and Me. When you get the test, they got the twenty three and We, yes. and it's that sharing platform. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, when you know that it's going for a good cause, I think the majority, like you said, would say yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. So Vincent, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful today. It's the 101 or the ABCs of Vincent. And so we're going to write out a syllabus. There's four questions. It's going to be lightning round style. So you're going to give me some quick responses to these. And then we're going to finish with your all-time favorite book for the listeners. You ready? All-time favorite book. I wouldn't <laughs> need to think about it. <laughs> you should have asked me earlier so and, I could prepare. And, and maybe maybe it'll be just an applicable book for the syllabus that we're creating here. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Give patients their data. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
0: Only focus on the financial aspects. The health aspects have to come first and then the financial aspects.
1: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Well,
0: change also. You need to improve, you need to innovate, you need to look at what others do and then keep on working to, to build new things.
1: What is one area of focus that should drive everything in the organization? If we're talking about the health sector, I think it's simple:
0: That's the patient's wellness and patient's health.
1: Awesome. And finally, Vincent, what would you say the book that you'd add to the syllabus for the listeners?
0: Well, the book I would you uh, would uh, mention is is uh, maybe a bit um, unusual. It's not about about philosophical choices or uh, how to to succeed or so. I read a book about the heart from the HeartMath Institute about cardiac coherence. I'm very puzzled by that because it's it's a book that tells you the science between uh stress and kinds and ways to fight stress like uh meditation if you want uh mm-hmm. you know you heard about uh, mindfulness and yes. so on so the cardiac coherence and the heart math institute have published that book that I think is is very it has been useful for me to control my stress during my my career because entrepreneur is not a not a piece of cake usually right and so, yeah, it was very practical. And at the same time, it was uh, very focused on, on well-being and there was strong science behind it. So I, I like the, the combination of those three.
1: And what's the name of the book, Vincent?
0: So I think in English, it's uh, Heart Intelligence by the Heart Math Institute.
1: Something okay. Heart Intelligence, That's, very nice. not, not very sure. No, no. It Find sounds great. Range. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll dive into it, get the actual book and link. And so listeners, don't worry about writing it down. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash Vincent And you're going to be able to find all of the show notes, as well as the syllabus that we created for you right now, and the book that was just recommended. Vincent, time flies when you're having fun. We're here to the end. And so I wanted to just ask that you share one closing thought with the listeners, and then the best place where they could get a hold of you.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for the interview. So to contact me, uh, go to the Andaman7 website, or you can send me an email, uh, vincent.cunin.com at andaman7.com. Feel free to contact me. And yes, my closing would be just Article 25 of of the Human Rights Declaration. Everyone has a right to good health and well-being for themselves and their family.
1: That's outstanding, Vincent. I know that you guys are going to do a phenomenal job with uh, this platform, and I'm just looking forward to staying in touch with you.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time, and thank you for interviewing me. Thank you.